Hey, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Hey, baby, what's up, baby? What are you doing? Jimmy, Jimmy. Oh, sorry, Mom. I'm on AIM instant message talking to someone in Florida right now. Okay, Jimmy, I'm going to go downstairs and watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TGIF and have a turkey sandwich with macaroni and cheese. Would you like to join your mother? Yes, I'll be downstairs in just a few minutes. Okay, Jimmy, I'll see you down there. Hey everyone, welcome back to your favorite digital marketing podcast. Um, welcome back to the Paid Search Podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the great Chris Schaefer. Chris, beautiful Thursday. We've been talking some business, talking to some people. How's it going today? How are you doing? You look great. This shirt you're wearing, people got to see your shirt. Short sleeves, shows the muscles, but it's got a pocket. It's got the, the buttons, got a collar and... Man, you look good. I love the color on you. So, wow. how's it going? Thank you. Um, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jason is in a one of his unique moods. It's always entertaining, always fun. I know you guys are here for your weekly dose of Jason, and uh, I guarantee you're going to get it this week because it's a Q&A session. We're going to take questions, and when we have Q&A, it's about as loose as it gets around here because we always, we don't know. Other than reading the questions, we have absolutely no idea what's about to happen. We have not discussed these ahead of time. So it's going to be a great discussion. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you guys be sure and stay tuned in because you're going to learn something for sure. The first thing I want you guys to learn about is a way to get things done faster in Google Ads. I'm talking about our sponsor, Optio. Optio.com slash PSP to get an extended six-week trial for free of their amazing software. We talk about it all the time. Jason and I both use it. It's a great tool for just a practical sense of all the things we talk about. We're almost 200 episodes in here, right? Three and a half years, almost four years of talking about this stuff, and you're learning how to do it. You're trying to you know, get stuff done effectively. This is the tool to get it done. Optio.com slash PSP to sign up for a free trial. Get your keywords edited uh, and changed faster. Get your bids adjusted properly faster. Update your ads. Change your ads. Find loser ads faster. Add your negative keywords faster. All the things that you do on a daily basis, whether you have one account that you're in charge of or you're in charge of 50 accounts this is the tool. It's scalable. You'll love it. opteo.com slash PSP. Thanks, Chris. And I want to thank everyone for leaving us reviews and ratings. All you got to do is click the five stars on Apple Podcasts um, or wherever you leave, uh, listen to podcasts. That really helps the show. Uh, when you do that, they share the show with more people, more suggestions, all that kind of stuff. And really, really helps grow the show. So we love when you guys do that. And we love reading your five-star reviews. And the five-star review of the week this week comes from Olia from Spain. And it's five stars. O-M-G. Jason, Chris, I have discovered your show last week through paid search, and I can't thank you enough for your awesomeness. This is exactly what I was looking for 
to deepen my knowledge in PPC. I am listening to your show in the morning and during work hours, and also my husband is already starting to freak out about how much I talk about you guys. I hope Patreon and all the reviews <laughs> will help. I'm not going there. I hope Patreon and all the reviews will help you, Chris, buying more weird shirts and enlarge Jason's pool. Olya, well, Olya, don't worry about the pool. I got a hot tub. <laughs> oh, yes, and hot tub. Uh, we're gonna, yeah. So nice, yeah. We got a hot tub, and um, <laughs> thank you so much for the review. And you'll note, Chris, uh, through paid search, through paid search, Chris, you'll note through paid search. Yeah. What does that mean? That means she we've clicked. been running ads yep. on Google search. And at Rothman PPC, I did a Twitter the other day. It was a little late at night, and uh, I thought people need to see this. And I said. <laughs> I said, paid search ads work. So, oh yeah, when just now on my Twitter, when I said paid search ads work, it was in response to this great review because I was like, oh man, we run ads on Google for Google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff, podcasts about Google ads and all that. Someone clicked on it, all you did. Yep. And now she she loves the show. So, hey, guess what, everybody out there? Hey, do Google ads work? Should I do this for my business? <laughs> uh, if you want to stay in business, you should do it for your business, dummies. So, dummies. paid search ads work. You just dumped a dummy. Uh, one there. of my best performing tweets. Chris, if you have a business and you're not advertising on Google, what are you like? Yeah, you're not smart. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And if you're not smart, what are you? And you're a dummy. Not, yeah, you said it, not me. Well, Jason, even more, I actually have uh, just today booked an appointment with Olya for Google Ads Consulting. So it's like doubling. Ooh, the self-promotion. Just, <laughs> you just squashed my little Twitter self-promotion. <laughs> Tell us about that, Chris. What do you mean you booked her? Well, she's she was so thankful for the knowledge she learned. She wants to go deeper and I signed her up, uh, helped her out a little bit. And we're going to do a session next week, even though she's in Spain. So she's going to be probably like getting ready for bed and just when she's you know starting to nod oh, off, relax, oh, then it's relax, time for her. Relax, it's amazing. London, London is London. Relax. London is six hours ahead of Central Time U.S. So just or Eastern or whatever. It's six hours. And Spain, I know you don't know this because of the schools you went to, but I know this. <laughs> Spain is to the west. I know that of London. I hope. Yeah. Someone, it, it is. I'll look at a map one day. And so their time zone might even be closer to ours. So what are we talking? Four hours, five hours, maybe six hours at the most. Okay. You get on a call at nine in the morning. It's three in the afternoon. She's not going to bed. Jason, I okay? don't take calls You can pull at this little, oh, people all around the, <laughs> people all around the world. Wow. Gosh. It's so amazing. You can pull that yeah. if they're in Japan, hey. if they're in Australia, where it is a full 12 hours or something like that. But uh, you can't pull this when someone's in Spain. I don't want to hear about time zones, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, fine. I'm sorry. I tried. I thought it was... I wasn't bragging on me. I was bragging on the fact that she's so dedicated. Whoa, someone on the East Coast booked a call. Whoa. It's, they could be going to bed right now. It's one of her head. I told wow, you guys. that's awesome. I told you, Jason's in a Jason mood, so it's going to be fun. So it's fun. Don't worry about me. I can handle it. You know... Who I want to hear from, let Jason? Let nicer than Chris. Yeah, let me see. keep seeing those in the comments and the reviews. I'm going to definitely read those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, you, hey, you, Chris, more dummies. More keep, dummies are out there. Keep asking, Please guys. Please be nice to Chris. He'll be nice. I'm sure. Oh, trust. And we don't, have, we don't have to go into it. Maybe we will on Patreon. But I've been more than nice to Chris oh. this week. I've been. We'll talk I've about been, it. We'll talk. Yeah. More than nice. I'll, you, leave, I'll put it that you way. You pulled and me. Did I get a thank you? Did I get money? Did I get... <laughs> Uh, anything? No, I didn't get anything. Well, I just, uh, I just got. Wait, 
I know I said you were. Go ahead. I think I said you were right. I think I just just. No, you didn't. No, I, you no, didn't. I, you I'm just. Gonna, I'm no, no. You're like other people in my life. I I tell you what's right. Uh-huh. I hold myself back and not to not offend you because you were so wrong. Like I, uh-huh. that was me doing my best to I just was. say, oh, maybe, maybe not. And then the next day you come around because I gave you the light, and then you make no mention that it was me. So. We we can go. Uh, we will. Hey, as we'll they talk say on Twitter, it. I got receipts. I got receipts. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it on Patreon for sure. We'll talk about. Uh, All right, Jason. so everyone, we love doing these Q and A's. Um, <laughs> apparently, you love the Q and A's too because I put up a poll on the Facebook group and I got I got squashed Smashed. with my little <laughs> idea. So people, <laughs> we don't need to talk about. It. People love these Q and A's. Oh, you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to talk about that. I guess that's where they're going to be for now. And uh, we appreciate you writing in. So if you go to paidsearchpodcast.com and you navigate over to the contact page, you can send us a question. And what we do is we batch them up, we keep them, and then we answer them. If your question is not answered on today's show, keep listening. We do these every few weeks and uh, we can only do so many in an episode. So we will get to all the questions uh, all the good ones, eventually, you know, someone says, writes in and says, should I advertise on Google? Like, how can we, we can't present that to people. But you, you send us a question um, and we read them here on the show and we do our best to give you some solid advice from a couple solid, solid guys. So, Chris, you're a solid guy. Why don't you uh, kick things off here? All right. I'm about to give you guys a solid one. This is from Jessica from Lincoln, Nebraska in the great United States of America. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know that I've been listening to your Patreon show and I'm loving it. Thank you, Jessica. She's a Patreon listener. When managing my campaigns, I'm all, I always use top impression share and absolute top impression share to determine whether to increase or decrease my bids. But there are some keywords that are blank for that metric. So on those ones, I look to see what search impression share is. If it populates a number there on the search impression share, I can then determine that there are, in fact, impressions available, and my bids are obviously way too low. So I need to bump them up, the bids. But sometimes this metric is also blank. If there are no impression metrics showing for a keyword, can I assume nobody is searching for that term, or does it mean I need to bump up my bids? Thanks again for taking time to answer my question. Much appreciated. Jessica. This is what I'm talking about uh, with the questions. Like, that's an amazing question. Like, that's why I love getting questions uh, for the Q&As, because that's not something we're going to do a show about, because it just doesn't, we, we haven't run into that problem. Or when we do run it, we do run into that. We see that, but it's not, it's something we know and we're going to answer now. Um, but that's why I love these questions because they open up new topics of discussion. So Jessica in Omaha, thank you for uh, that question. Lincoln. And um, Lincoln, 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 uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Sorry. Different. Omaha, Lincoln cities. Yeah. Lincoln is the home of the uh, Cornhuskers. Chris, what I'm thinking there is a totally different option than she mentioned in that I'm going to be careful with my words here. I'm thinking the word is too many keywords, Mm. um, but I don't want to put a negative spin on it. What I'm saying is, Jessica, you might have a situation where you have a keyword like divorce lawyers in Lincoln, Nebraska, phrase match, and then you might have a broad match modified keyword like divorce lawyers. And possibly 
one of those keywords is getting all the impressions that the longer tail one would, maybe because you're bidding more on one of them or something like that. And my point is, Chris, maybe she doesn't have too many keywords, but maybe there's just a certain segment of her keywords that get the impressions. There's other keywords that are not getting the impressions, and it's not because no one searches for those words. Maybe they don't. I don't know what the keywords are, but it doesn't have to mean that if they're not getting impressions, if the search impression share is a blank line, if absolute top and top are blank lines, it just means that they're not getting impressions. That's that's how I would interpret it. And the question is, okay, if they're not getting impressions, does that mean you're bidding too low or does that mean no one's searching for them or does that mean they are searches that people search for, but your other keywords that also qualify for those searches are getting that traffic. It could mean any of those three things. And so basically, I would have a two-step process. One, I would go to the preview tool and I would do a search for the search you want to show up on from that keyword. And I would go, okay, am I there? Am I too low? And you got to focus on your budget and time of day and all that kind of stuff. But if you're supposed to show, do you show? And if you show then that means you're good and possibly another keyword is getting that search. If you don't show, that means you might have an issue and that could be because your search impression share lost due to rank is really high and you need to up your bids. Um, or if you do show and you still don't get any traffic or impressions for that search term, then it could mean you're, uh, it could mean people aren't searching for it. So Chris, to wrap it up here, there's a lot of different reasons why you wouldn't be getting impressions on one keyword, but when everything's blank, it doesn't tell me that no one's searching for it. It doesn't tell me that I'm bidding too low. It just tells me that for that keyword, I'm not getting impressions. And then going back, why am I not getting impressions? Well, there's kind of three different scenarios I just ran through. Is that what a blank line on search impression share and absolute top and top impression share would mean to you? Yeah. The thing to take in account here, Jessica, is the other status warnings that are going to be available with the keywords. You're definitely going to have to pay attention to those. If it says below first page bid, and it does not say low search impression share, and it, all of it's zero, then it is essentially a bidding issue, right? There's your, And your loss, your loss due to ad rank is 90%. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. You have to go back to the campaign level, look at your... Um, uh, search impression no, for share. For that keyword too. You, yeah, you could do it for one keyword. That's true. You can look at search impression yeah. share and search impression share rank for that one keyword. Ad rank. And if it's yeah. 90% and you, you are still above first page, you're hitting the very bottom and getting pushed off. Um, you're enough to hit the first page, but it's not enough to get you impressions. So yes, the answer to your initial question, if there's no impression metric showing for a keyword, can you assume nobody's searching or do you need to bump up the bids? And the answer is you need to bump up bids. Other data, other data will tell you. Other data will tell you. And if it does not say low search impression share for that keyword, that means you need to bump bids. There are people searching for it. So yeah, there you go. And focus on that loss due to add rank. That'll tell you if you need to bump bids. And then uh, the preview tool will help. And there was a, uh, there was one more thing I was thinking, Chris. Mm -mm -mm. It was so good, and I'm so sorry, Jessica. Just flew away like a little birdie. Flew away like my first wife, just a little birdie, oh, just, uh, you know. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so we got a question from Dave. You want to hit us with that? I want to know what I was thinking there It'll come so back. badly, Chris. So badly. Oh, oh I got it. There it I is. I got it. Don't lose it. I Don't lose it. Search impression share, absolute top impression share, top impression share. 
If you look at those columns the day of, then they're they're usually always blank. The day of. Oh, if you look at today's data. You, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Wasn't that worth it? Wasn't that Search, worth a little fake joke about first wife to potentially piss <laughs> off Cynthia? Like, wasn't that worth it? And the, the dead air and all that kind of, Wasn't that worth it? Wasn't that a great yeah, tip, Chris? That's, especially for the search impression share. If she's not looking at the past seven days or at least yesterday. At then, least yesterday. And it depends on what time in the morning if you look at yesterday. Maybe it's not in there yet. But I have noticed absolute top impression share, top impression share, and search impression share and the different search impression share columns, they don't load in for today's data. And then if because it's no longer it, average position, data. average position would show immediately, but no longer is that true now that average position's gone and we now have impression share percentages, which is now delayed typically by 18 to 24 hours. So, yeah, good point. Excellent. Yeah, speaking of first wife and all that, it's like average position. That's, that was our first that wife. That was our first wife. Yep. And we're building her up in our head. And the, the second wife is there. And she's like, look how much I do for you. Look how great I am. I have absolute <laughs> top if you want it. I got top impression share if you want it. I got all these different metrics. It's better. Truly, it's probably better. But in our head, we we don't forget the bad things about average position. We just glorify it. Yeah. Oh, the first she wife. Was, oh, it was so great. Was well, special. then what? She's like, well, then why do you get a divorce in the first place? Okay. Okay, Jason. <laughs> So, I've, yeah, Chris, my point is I'm coming to kind of uh, enjoy absolute top impression share and top impression share. I mean, man. And this is a question later in the show. Like, uh, maybe actually this is, Chris, this is how you do podcasting. No, this isn't podcast. This is podcast. <laughs> what the this heck is, is happening do- right now? Chris, this is, this is how you do radio. <laughs> Chris, I have a radio thing. I was just talking about, like, I was going to talk about how you got to give Google some slack with the changes because change is hard. But then when you start using it for a long time, you're like, wow, the new interface is awesome. Wow, absolute top impression share, top impression share. That is probably better than average position, just like you guys said. But I was angry at the time. And so great radio would have been a transition clean without mentioning it, Chris, right to this question about changes that Google makes. So Dave, what a timely question. Now we're (laughs) moving to Dave from Patreon. Gents, as always, I love your shows and the candors. You both are the real deal. It seems not a week goes by without Google making a change to their platform. Some changes are minor, others are large. So out of interest, besides the disappearance of ad position, see, just the negative connotation, the disappearance, like it got kidnapped, like someone killed it. No, (laughs) they improved the product, bro. (laughs) But okay, the disappearance, but I'm with you. I was with you at the time. The disappearance of ad position and accelerated delivery, that's another one they just took out. Yep. What would be three to five of the most disruptive or game redefining changes Google has made since you started the podcast and how did they affect your game for the better or the worst? Many thanks. Can't wait for the next episode and Patreon show. Chris notes. Hey, no, don't read that. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. Come on, buddy. I'm better than that. This was such a good question. I wanted to write out my thoughts ahead of time because I had to really think, uh, think through it. So Dave, good question. And for me, I think some of the things that have most impacted me, and I don't know if it's for good or bad, but they are some of the things that I take note of the most. Number one, looser variables in keyword matching from keyword to search term, right? So now when you have CPA company, CPA services, it can match to, and I know this for certain, 
because this was one of the ones that shocked me the most in the past couple of years that I saw it and I was like, wow, there's an example of variation. CPA service company matched to CPA. And this was an exact match, Jason. This was an exact match. It was CPA services and it matched to CPA. One word. Blew my mind. I'm like, how, how, how does that happen? You know, I mean, it's one word is the search term, but it was a two or three word keyword and it blows my mind. So the loser variables, I think, is both good and bad because I think it's good because sometimes it gives me opportunity to rearrange the order and realize that maybe my my absolutism on the on the on the way that people search could be flopped around and I could be missing a whole lot. It saves me a ton of time from having to create instead of 50 keywords having to create, you know, 200 keywords. So that's great. Um, but it also is a huge burden at times because you really have to be careful about exact match terms and and things creeping up on you that you don't want. You absolutely I don't want CPA. I want CPA services near me. I don't want just CPA. So that's one thing. Another thing is the big push for automated strategies. This is something that it's changed me and it's changed the environment uh, because the the more push we've done for automated strategies, it's changed the way a lot of people will run their campaign initially or a lot of advice that people will give or things that will lead towards people spending copious amounts of money and saying, I need you to optimize this. And in reality, it's like a bunch of broad keywords, maximize clicks, and it's so difficult to optimize for things that are just broad match, maximize clicks, and maybe they're getting some conversions. They just want you to optimize it. It's so difficult because as a manual manager, my hands are tied. I'm, I'm working with like I have gloves on and I'm trying to move things and adjust things and optimize things. And I'm bumping stuff. I, I have to make giant adjustments. Small adjustments are extremely difficult with automated strategies. So that's made a huge difference. And then last, this seems like a great thing. And years ago, the distinction between paid ads and organic was much more precise. And I had people that, you know, always debatable, always knew. Well, okay. That's debatable. You could go either way on that's that. That's true. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I was like, what? I don't, not not <laughs> really, but I wasn't going to argue with you. I know. I'm kidding. The distinction between is more gray. And I'm happy for that because I think if Google didn't have a quality score system, if Google wasn't focused on customer experience, right? Search experience, then it would be bad. If they forced ads on you that had nothing to do with the search, it would be trash and Google would be out of business. But they don't. They want you to be careful about what you're advertising and it's relevant to that search. And because of that, the blending of paid and non-paid has been great for advertisers like us because we can fit into those relevant searches much easier. We don't have to force our way in like other networks that we've talked about that are extremely obstructive, extremely, you know, in your face and annoying and, you know, like automatic playing videos and stuff like that. I, I hate that stuff. Oh. Dude, so, the, the freaking internet is unusable at this point. Like, I get papers delivered. I read the actual paper, you know? Because if you try to read online, like, yeah. the ads are moving, and it's horrible. But yeah, Chris, you you went over some really, you know, if I had to sit down and think about it, those first two, the, the close variance expanding, 
and the automated strategies would be my biggest ones. Now, the only other one I thought of was um, the interface. That that was a that was an earthquake when it happened, dude. Like that that like uh, and obviously it just changed it for us. Nothing it changed in the product. Yeah, nothing yeah. changed in the product. I it just it. changed for us. So I don't feel that that made a game changing thing. It was more just my daily process changed. Mm, you know what though? It felt to me honestly at the time it felt. Like I, we talked about it then. I was emotional about it because yeah. I had put oh, my yeah. whole life on this product, this platform, and got really good at it. And then all of a sudden, it changed pretty big, and that did change my management and the game for me because I had to basically relearn the system. Now, two years later, it's like I can't even remember the old one, and this one <laughs> looks better and it works great and it's fine now. But that was a big change at the time. But you're right in terms you remember, of ongoing changes. We yeah, go ahead. We did we did entire episodes where we just begged Google. We tried to use our non-existent power to get Google to move. We tried we tried to shove the mountain and say, "Please let us have the keyword button research thing back in." And of course, it didn't happen immediately, but now we have it. And there were there were some very specific things, but I remember us being just like I said, emotionally invested in this so heavily because we needed these little certain aspects. It was the the responsive a, uh, uh, map system. We wanted that, and we wanted that little keyword uh, research tool right in the ad group. Those were incredibly important to me. Yeah, but the the, the close variance thing that is a that is a a change that you can overcome by just religiously focusing on your search terms and adding negative keywords. You can overcome that. Chris, the automated strategies, you want to talk about a change that's impacting my mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even going to talk about manual bids versus automated. I'm talking about what I see competitors doing. That's where it's impacting me. You want to get Patreon-ish on the main show for a second? What, what seems to be happening is I see a lot of advertisers doing things with their positions and bids they didn't used to do. And I don't think they're doing it. They know what they're doing. And it causes the cost per click to rise for a while, at least tempor temporarily, until people figure out what's going on and figure out ways to get a hold of their account. But that has been impacting me because then all of a sudden we're left out there like, hey, guys, you really can't bid that much yeah. and still make money. So what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to like all three of you above me, not just one crazy advertiser. Like, please, like you don't have to lose money for the next three months and then three months go by and then they eventually lower their bids and get control of their account. But it's impacting the way you kind of interact. I interact with competitors online and, and I have to then adjust for what they're doing and then adjust client expectations. So the automated thing right now is, is big. Okay. Robin from Portland, Oregon. Hey guys, love the show. Thank you. I know the ad grants aren't your specialties, but I'm hoping some general advice can still help me. So far, the account is actually wrong. going. That's so wrong. I just have to, when I read this, Chris, I just have to let you know. We had Tim Tompkins on here. Oh, yeah. The Google Grants oh, expert. Expert. I feel like a Google Grants expert based on that one episode. He was so, so Tim, good. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Yes. And that whole thing about the conversions. And then if you get some conversions, then you're allowed to bid more mm -hmm. with automated strategies. Oh, whoa. That's actually a big game changer. I'm not a novice anymore. So, <laughs> Robin from Portland, just so you know out there, you're incorrect. I, I do feel like uh, Google Grants is in my wheelhouse because of Tim Tompkins. Go Suns! Go Phoenix Suns! Okay, right. Sports. Um, so I haven't read all the question, but first of all, Robin, definitely go back and listen to the episode that Tim was in. You search for it, you'll find it gotta listen on our to website. It, it is absolutely... That was, was mind-blowing. Yeah, it was for us, it, it was 
revolutionary for us. I'd never heard the things that he had that he said before. So, anyway, let's actually read the question from Robin. Uh, so far, the account is actually going pretty well. Most of our searches are relevant, and I'm still getting rid of the ones that aren't. Our click through rate is great. Conversions are low, but I recommended a small change to the client's site to make the conversion process easier, and they seem to be picking up. My question involves impression share. We're sitting at 30 to 40%, and I'm kind of at a loss for what to do to bring it up. Jason, you know where this is going. I haven't even finished. In Auction Insights, our impression share is only... Your, move your dang cursor. Get... get. Our impression share is only... That got a little weird. That got a little weird right there. <laughs> I can't we, read We it. tell people we're not in the same room, and then that was like, well, they're in the same room. Like, Chris, easy, buddy. Your Google Docs. Easy. It's, okay. Our easy. impression share is only beaten yeah, sure out is. by one sure other <laughs> one other uh, site on average, but they are also sitting at 30 to 40% range. We're nowhere close to maxing out the ad grant budget. Yep, you and 99% of the others. And quality scores aren't perfect but most of them are seven or above have any ideas for this Jason this is classic Tim answer right here I know I know I know what you're gonna yeah, say yeah grants aren't really in my wheelhouse so I'd say go ask him <laughs> come on you've got the, you've <laughs> got joke, the Chris. one thing you can tell her you know what to say <laughs> it's a joke so Chris um first of all first of all first of all I think you talked about this Chris I'm not really seeing it when I highlight it for one keyword right now but auction insights yes don't you have to be a little careful because you may not be getting all the data? Right. Auction Insights is only going to give you information based on the keywords that you are eligible to show for. So when when she's saying that she's showing 30 to 40% and her competitor is also 30, uh, 30 to 40%, that's only the overlap percentage. But still, I think it's a relevant metric. Okay. So you look in there and then... When you say search impression share, you got to be careful there because it's search impression share lost due to rank or search impression share lost due to budget. So we, we didn't get which one it is, but since I'm a genius, I can infer rank. if the Google ad grant budget is $10,000, it's, it's probably not <laughs> lost due to budget. Right. So yeah, it's lost due to rank. And what is rank? Rank is your bid times quality score, a few other things, but basically bid times quality score. Your quality score is what it is. You're trying to get that up, do what you can. But the bid, it's all about the bid. You, you're capped to bid $2 on Google Ad Grants. However, if you listen to that episode, what Tim was saying is if you can get some conversions approved, some conversion actions approved, and then turn on an automated strategy, it will allow you, the system, to bid more than $2 for you. So my best recommendation, Robin, is find that episode, Google. Uh, it's in YouTube. Uh, it's out there. Google Ad Grants, Paid Search Podcast, and the whole kind of thing with that show was you're capped at $2 bids, but if you get conversions and you're able to get a conversion action approved and then run an automated strategy, the system will allow you to bid more than $2. Now, like you're saying, I don't do a lot of Google Ad Grants. I don't know what the current situation is, but that would be my, my best advice. Uh, the only other thing I think, Chris, is... You got to maybe find more keywords, find more way people are searching for it. Make sure you have them in there. Don't worry about schedule. Don't worry about having the tightest location because it's grant money, right? Yeah, so yeah definitely. You can spend it, you know? Yeah. It, but wouldn't you say that's the biggest thing is 
listen to that episode, try to get the conversion action. And that's kind of the secret on how you can potentially get the bids raised and show up higher and get spend more of your budget on good keywords. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go listen, uh, go to paidsearchpodcast.com, find that episode, listen to it because whatever we say here is not going to be nearly as thorough as that hour that we put in with Tim and, and he had all an amazing uh, solution for exactly what you're talking about, Robin. All right, Jason, let's hear from down under. April from Queensland in Australia. Hey, guys. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That was an Australian male impression. It says April. So let me do a yeah, female Australian female, impression. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> nice. Can we joke? Can we joke? That's with good. Our April's yeah. Joke yeah, she's yeah. She. Hey guys, hey guys! I found your podcast late last year and have been listening to every episode. <laughs> since I was one, I was wondering when you are manually managing your bidding and you are considering changing your bid, do you, along with looking at the conversion data, take into account the estimated first page, top of page, and absolute top of page. And do you ever use raise bids to top of page as a bulk manual bid change for your keyword? So raise bids to the top of the page. And then when you're doing your manual bids, do you use the, the bulk? question is from April. Yeah. Do you use the bulk? But then also how much do you take into account the estimated first page, estimated top page, and absolute top? I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chris. I'm kind of passionate about this one. Yeah. Um, okay. So April, I absolutely, I can tell you, I, I'll tell you me. You asked if I do, I'm going to answer in a personal, this does not mean this is, this is the right for everyone, but personally, me, I don't use estimated and absolute top estimated at all. I don't care what they are. Here's, here's why, Chris. Why would I estimate when I'm getting data yeah. <laughs> and I can do it myself? I don't need your estimations. Exactly, I'm in the game. That's exactly like, right. Yeah. I mean, why? Yeah. I'm talking about practice, man. Because, because, like I've said before, the very first day, the very first week is 100% guess. And if you're running past that first week, you're in the first month, first uh, year. You know, you, you've gone, you know, past those first couple of guessing times, then you should have data and that estimated stuff means nothing to you. Um, so I don't use it. I never even add the column and um, it, it doesn't matter to me. And as far as I forgot it existed. Yeah, I, yeah, I do too. And yeah, until someone mentions it, I totally forget that it's even there. And as far as deciding what bids, it's always a phase at the beginning is always just a rough bid. What's most important and what's most precise? My most precise keywords, my most important keywords, if that's the same, then they are absolute highest bids. That's X. And then everything down from there, based on being less valuable to the client and less precise, moves down the scale of bidding for me. Now, one last thing. You mentioned bulk manual change. Here's the thing. I don't use bulk manual change at the beginning of a Google ad system. Because if you go back and listen to lazy man build a podcast where we talk about building a Google campaign, the easiest and the fastest way Good episode. I Good use, episode. yeah, it's a great episode. We talk about bidding at the ad group level to begin with. Okay. And then once you decide that you want to make adjustments, uh, you do that on an individual keyword basis. But 
an entire ad group should largely be about the same when you begin. And then once you start changing things, I do that on an individual keyword or I change it at the ad group level again. I, I bump the whole ad group up. So that's my thoughts there. But keep in mind, all of this has absolutely nothing to do with the success of your campaign. The, the process you, that you use for bidding will not mean that it it passes or fails, right? It's it's not about one particular process. The point is pull the winners to the top and slow down the losers. That's what the whole thing is about. How you do that is entirely up to you. Yeah, we have a disagreement, Chris. I think you're going too far when you talk. So here's the deal. It's very easy for us to sit up here and say, oh, those columns don't matter. The estimations don't matter. I'm running it myself, blah, 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 because we have a ton of experience and we know how to quickly get in there, find out what the bid should be and go for it. But I think the reason we see this question is because people get in there and they don't have that experience and they're like, what, what did they say? Like, how can I just tell? So, so it is really helpful on paper to look at those columns. So what I think is wrong, Chris, is if you're trying to figure out what the bid level should be, I don't think you need to go into this mode about, oh, the really good choice keywords, bid more on them. The the not so good ones, bid less on them. I disagree with that. When you're in the process of specifically when you're trying to find the right level to bid at, set your bids at a dollar. Every single keyword. Go to the preview tool. Are you showing up after a few minutes? No, you're not showing up. Bid them at $5. Are you showing up $10? Are you showing up $20? Look in the keyword planner. Look at your, go ahead, look at your estimated things. But I just think there's a really quick way to figure it out. You look at the keyword planner, you see what it says. You look at these estimations, you take them with kind of a grain of salt because I found them to be off sometimes. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're off. And just gradually raise your bids, like all within a 15 minute period and see where you show up. And then once you know your decent level, what it takes to show up, then you can do that little choice thing about the top keywords or the best keywords, bid more on them. But to actually know like what level to find, I would just start at a dollar, check the preview tool, keep going up until you find that level where you're showing up. But you know what? It's not so easy. And that's why the pros exist because there's a little thing called ramp up time. Mm -hmm. No one talks about it except me. But you know what? If, if no one wants to put documentation about there, no one wants to put articles about there, <laughs> keep screwing yourselves because it's something I know and I know it's real. And then there's this whole thing about there's no ad rank at the beginning because you don't have quality score. So it takes more to bid than normal. I don't know. It's a tough question, but I, that's how I figure out the bidding level. That's how I do it. I, I just play around with the bids and I keep my daily budget low. I protect myself. Don't overspend while you're figuring things out. And just figuring them out with the bids, you know? Yeah. The toughest time is the beginning. I guess in the end, the, the answer, April, is uh, there is no correct answer. Not when you're doing a podcast with you because the beginning was the easiest time because we gelled like butter. You did what I said. Everyone was positive about everything. Mm -hmm. But now we're a few years in. There's friction. Yep. There's sides being drawn. There's people dug in thinking they're the reason the show's successful. <laughs> the other person thinks they're the reason the show's <laughs> successful. And it, it really does get more difficult yeah. as time goes on That's when what... there's this much success. But, hey, we're like the uh, we're like a rock band. We're going to keep it going. We don't have to talk off air. It's all about business coming here. A lot of people rely on us, and we're going to get it done for the sake of the show. Isn't that right, Chris? Yeah. Secretly hate each other, but publicly monetize each Not other. Not so secret anymore. That's, How about that? That's it. All right. Jo uh, jo Jor? Jor from Dublin. Ja Rule. That's definitely not it. Jor from Dublin. I'm sorry if that's the, how, you not, how you pronounce it. Hey, have been listening to your podcast for a few weeks and I find it very helpful. 
I have been really interested to have a career in this field lately. Lately, I started getting into display campaigns and how to set them up, but I'm still pretty new at this. Anyway, my question is, do you guys use targeting expansion? And where would you suggest using it? I love this question. I added this. I, I kept this one in. Even though it's sh- then why don't you answer it, Chris? Okay. I told you to read them ahead of time, Jason. I warned you. <laughs> no. Okay. Here's the thing. Targeting expansion on the display network. Yeah. Do I use that? Yeah. No. No. Okay. Should I be using it? Possibly. Have I have I used it in the past where I've been frustrated about low volume and turned it on? And yes. Did I give it enough time to figure it out? No. Did I talk bad about audience targeting and infinity and in market and said I'm retiring from that on the last Patreon? Yes. So does audience expansion have a role? Targeting expansion have a role in my display campaigns right now that I do for possibly keywords and remarketing to then find placements and do placements? No, but I'd love to, would I like to see what Chris has to say about the topic? Yes. That No, you said it. Everything that you I totally agree with. And, and the reason I think it's valid, just because we don't think it's useful doesn't mean that other people no, but Chris, may not be using then why it. Can't I shake, then why can't I shake this feeling, okay? Because the messaging is so strong about targeting expansion. I feel like an idiot right now. I feel like I'm standing up here saying, I don't use it, haven't had the best experience with it. And then I feel like there's people out there going, yeah, but it says it's going to target the same audience and more people and you're going to get great results. Why can't I shake that feeling, Chris? Like I feel like I'm missing something. Like I feel like if I just try it one more time, if I give it enough time, why can't I shake that feeling? Be, because do you have that feeling too? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because I, I wow. I'm sorry, I absolutely do not have any feeling that I'm missing out because I don't trust an automated system to make decisions for me. I don't trust a similar uh, system to choose people based on my parameters. I would rather work harder and find those parameters myself. And yeah, but I want to bust in and I want to get to that black box because no. the black box changes all the time, the automated strategies and all that. So did targeting expansion get a lot cooler in the last 24 hours? No. And if I just try it again, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, but Chris, that's the no. feeling I have. So no, I don't think it, I, but I, but, you're, but, you're right. You're doing it right. But I want it to work so good. No, you know what you so want. Bad. I want to, I want to pick an affinity. I want to pick it in market. I want to get a 20% I know. conversion rate. I want to be the king of display outside of remarketing. Come on, Chris. This is what I want. I got a gold watch. I got, got a gold watch. I got a gold watch. <laughs> no, it's... Man. I. You know what you're interested in, Millennial? You're interested in a shortcut. You're interested in something that makes it easier, that, make, that doesn't take as much work or as much thought. And Jason, does that ever exist anywhere? Has, has there ever been a weight loss pill that actually made a person fitter and thinner? It doesn't, it doesn't work. There is no magic pill. There is no magic button. Targeting expansion does what it does. It just basically makes the system, it, it gives Google Display a shot of tequila and it gets a little loose and it just starts throwing ads everywhere. And you think, wow, look how hot that is. But that's really just beer goggles. Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm search, I'm remarketing, I'm placements, I'm a little keywords on the display network, a whole lot more search than display. When you break down display, it's a whole lot of remarketing what I do. So the thing we I always have to keep in mind when I'm talking about display is there are big brands out there, Chris, that don't care about conversions or time on site or anything like that they're buying media they're buying a they're running on tv nationally 
huge markets, whatever, and display it works for them, Chris. Like they get their message in front of people who are in the market, who are affinity. They're not going to convert on that click, but it helps them with their overall business. So I always like to keep that in mind. And maybe with those other kind of different advertising branding goals, maybe it is a good thing to try. It's just in my little world of search and remarketing, it doesn't have a big role for the kind of clients I work with. That's the answer. So there's your answer, uh, Jor. Uh, Depends on the goal. Depends on the client. If the goal is literally to spin the budget and just get clicks, get get traffic. to get eyeballs. Yeah, to get eyeballs, then go for it. But honestly, the reason we answer like this is because we don't get clients like that. Most of the clients that contact us say, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a dollar. I want you to give me two back. That's what the clients right. tell us. So Today, not not in, <laughs> not in 10 years when I have a great brand. Yesterday. Today. I want you to do it yesterday, but we're late. So start now. Alan from Pittsburgh, PA. <laughs> you want to you talk about Pittsburgh? I know about Pittsburgh, Chris. Nobody, I know what's going on there. Nobody wants to. No, no here I know about words. Pittsburgh. I, no, they're not. All right, if anybody wants to talk about politics and local Pittsburgh politics Why? and uh, fracking and all that kind of stuff and how many jobs depend on that, but then the leading candidates aren't for fracking and how that has a split you're in the Democratic have to, Party. You're going to have to I'm, cut this. No, I'm not going to cut anything because I'm not saying what <laughs> uh, what side or anything like that. I love everybody. I'm just saying I know a lot about Pittsburgh. So if we ever do a meetup in Pittsburgh, okay, okay I'm going to I'm gonna be able to converse with the, the uh, Silicon Valley of the East. Oh, the Pittsburgh people are going to love that. Ooh. Alan from Pittsburgh, love the podcast. When dealing with multiple conversions in an account, do you tend to use account level conversion settings? Does it make sense to count all conversions in a campaign, even if it includes conversions that the campaign isn't necessarily trying to achieve, but helps the overall business? An example, a client I work for has multiple conversions ranging from account signups, form submissions for different services, calls, etc., if I'm running a campaign that focuses to get people to create an e-account and sign up for paperless billing, should I only have the campaign count that specific conversion? I would think yes, but on the other hand, I could find keywords and copy that work for another goal by segmenting the conversion action. And you know what, Alan, I'm going to give you a pat on the shoulder since Pittsburgh makes me think about the Steelers and football. You know what? I'm going to go there, even though it's 2020, Alan, even though it's a workplace, I'm going to give you a pat on the behind, just like in football, because you need a confidence boost. You already know what to do. You know how to get it done. It sounds like you're knowledgeable. Go with your instincts. Um, Chris will take, he'll finish, uh, he'll finish the drive and get us in the end zone here. But um, I like, I like the way Alan's thinking. He knows what to do. Yeah. Alan's smart because he's making decisions that matter. He's not, he didn't ask, Hey, should I track conversions? I mean, talk about, we're going to slap Alan on the face if he asks that question. But the question he asks is, what value of conversion should I use? Should I use these lower level tier conversions or should I only focus on the most important ones? And and, and he does, you didn't see it at the end, but he makes a note. He said, by the way, everything's in manual CPC. So there's no concern about max conversions optimizing towards the wrong conversion smart, action. Smart. So yeah. he knows, Alan's been listening. He obviously loves the podcast. He's He's a podcast fan. So... He knows, and I think, Alan, if you are truly managing the campaign on a manual basis, you're making the decisions on where the money goes, what the quality of searches are, and you're not letting a a newsletter sign up or a time on site run away with your conversion actions 
and it's not you know you're not you're not pushing that as a value to the campaign i'm fine uh, putting other conversions in there as long as you are aware that one conversion is not equal to another and that you're managing that way. Uh, possibly you're putting conversion value in there and you're not necessarily looking at raw conversion numbers. Instead, you're actually just, you've removed the conversion number and you're looking at conversion value number. So you've assigned a phone call, a hundred dollar oh, value. That's real smart. And you've put a form submission as it's sexy, yeah, honestly. And you put Never a, been sexier. You, that is real good. Yeah, so, so you could not look at raw conversion numbers. You just look at value. That's a way to do it. So if you're at this point, Alan, that you're making decisions like this, then absolutely. I think you're to the, the reason that we say to 99% of the people out there, don't do this is because they're not to Alan's point. They're not to the point that, that you're able to distinguish a conversion is not a conversion. We have to tell the masses don't track newsletter signups. Don't track time on site because They'll say because then they're going to optimize. Yeah, they'll optimize based on it, and then they'll say, "Look at my, I have a sixty percent conversion rate." Then I look at it and I rip them a new one in my audit because I say, "You have nothing, you have nothing." Two mentions, okay. Two mentions, okay. So Chris, I think that's the biggest thing is Alan knows that he can gather a bunch of different kind of conversions, really uh, money making conversions, the actual lead generation, and then colder, softer conversions, the signups, the newsletters, whatever, time on site, whatever. And he's able to segment out either by segmenting out or by putting values on them and optimize only after looking at which actual conversions he's optimizing based on, but then still gather that conversion data overall with the softer conversions. I think if you're able to know what you're optimizing off of and segment out what you're optimizing off of, then it's totally fine to have all those different kinds of conversions because you're still going to know how to make smart decisions. And you're also going to get more data since you have more conversions in there. Yep. All right, guys. Hear that? Here it comes. Optio.com slash PSP. That is what you're looking for. You got a break right here. You can hit the pause button and go check out opteo.com slash PSP because it is the tool that we recommend to getting things done faster in Google Ads. Really affordable, and you want to have tools in your tool belt. You want to get things done quickly, and you want to stop staring at the same screen with the same buttons. You want to see some things different. You want to see some graphs, some charts, some colors, some up and down arrows. You want to see some variety. Get some variety in your life. OPTEO.com slash PSP. Get a six-week extended longer than anyone else just for you. OPTEO.com slash PSP. Rob from Hickory, North Carolina. I'm a huge fan, and after listening to episode 56, whoa, remember those days? Boy, we were young. 56... Single keyword ad groups versus normal keyword ad groups. Great debate. Boy, those were the days. We really laid it out. Jason, this one's just for you. Jason mentioned a circumstance where he would sometimes spot a new or overlooked keyword and add it to an existing ad group, thus breaking away from his one keyword per ad group strategy. Therefore, it stands to reason that he might also do that during initial setup too. But either way, I'd love to know more about what situations would motivate him to do that versus putting a keyword into a new ad group. And in a situation where it it was at an added keyword, would he have done that? 
if that keyword had already was already on his radar during the initial setup. Rob really lays it out here. Very specific. Yeah, question. it's interesting that I got the question about specifically Skag. I think I might have mentioned once that uh-huh, I tried it. Uh huh. Um, yep, yep. But I pretty oh, much have. I don't recall ever yeah, doing it. Never. That much. Yeah. I've never. I don't know. Those aren't <laughs> my drugs, officer. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so Rob, here's the deal. Over the years, I've evolved, and uh, there's no such thing as a Skag anymore for me. Mm-hmm. I don't do it. Why would I put a keyword into a Skag ad group as the second keyword? What situation would call for that? Well, that would be when the keywords have the similar search intent. Divorce lawyer, divorce lawyer near me, divorce lawyer in my area. Oh, here's a big one. Divorce attorneys, divorce attorneys near me. I'm going to throw all that in the same ad group now because why? Because someone doing that search has the same intent. They want to find a divorce person who has passed the bar exam who can practice law in court whether they refer to themselves as a lawyer or attorney makes no difference to me because the search intent is the same so i don't need to break them out into different ad groups with different ads to me guess what hey guys it doesn't matter if the ad says divorce lawyer or divorce attorney if both those keywords in there because you know what it's about more than having the the ad match it exactly that's what i think that's what i know that's why I'm very successful and um, I'm totally past that. So just forget my, my advice, what I do, or I'm not even going to say my advice. I'm going to say what I do, what works, what has made me the best Google Ads manager on the planet. I forgot about Skags and now I make themed ad groups mm. where the ads match what people are searching for in that theme of keywords and it gets the job done for many various reasons. And if you Google our names in Skag or if you go to paidsearchpodcast.com, Go to the archive. You can get any of those first 100 episodes, $2.99 an episode, or buy them in bulk for discounts. Um, we evolve, I evolved over the years, and we had different SCAG discussions after that one, I believe. Um, or throughout the episodes, you'll hear the general talk about it. And it's just, I don't think it's, a, it's not a thing for me anymore at all. And I'm so far in the other direction that it's called uh, SCADs, single ad group. Or no, it's called, it's called... It's called Skag, Skak, single. No, no, it's called. <laughs> help me with the acronym, Chris. I don't know. What single you're ad say. group, single ad group campaign. Oh, see, single S A C S A G C Sag single ad group single ad group campaign single ad group. It's called Saxy, Saxy. Sagsy. Sagsy. I, I create. It's called the Sag. I don't think that's going to catch on. Yeah, like no, Skag. I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm building campaigns now. We've talked about it with the lazy man build, whatever you want to call it. I'm building single ad group campaigns. Oh, how can you do that? Hey, guess what, dummies? Dummies. There it is again. Game, so. There it is again, dummies. <laughs> how, how can you do a single ad group campaign? Well, when I get in there, I'm going to tell your client that this person doesn't know about it. And the things I've seen. Yeah. The, I've gotten over being embarrassed by other agencies. It's not, it's not about embarrassed. It's about people lying. It's about people lying. It's not about embarrassing. Yeah. Well, that's a different different day for a different story. All right, Jason. Different story for a different day. Bring this home. Sage from Ship Bottom, New Jersey. Yeah, hmm. it's a place. I wonder if that's North Jersey or South Jersey. I wonder if that's near 
North Bergen. I wonder if that's near Sea Caucus. <sighs> okay. I wonder we, if we, Sage ever went to Sea Caucus right. and got a black guy from his girlfriend. Oh. Jersey Shore fans will know what that means. Oh, okay. Sea Caucus. I was in Sea Caucus. They stole my chain in Sea Caucus. Oh, okay. Hi, guys. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. I've been working with Google Ads for about a year now, and it has been interesting to navigate. My question is it better to have a separate campaign for a single location or city or optimize bids for that location within a larger campaign, wider location range? Interesting question. Okay. So to make sure I understand the question, Sage is asking, basically, should he have one campaign? Dude, bro, dude, bro. Let me tell you, if you target all of New Jersey, okay, that's where you do business, Mm -hmm. but you really like, getting traffic from North Bergen, okay? Should you build out a campaign that targets the city of the township of North Bergen on its own and then have another campaign that targets New Jersey without North Bergen? Or should you just target New Jersey and increase your bids in North Bergen on the location areas page? Mm, Okay. When a location is important, but you still do business in a wider location, how do you handle that? Okay, okay. In that case, um, unless there is strict instructions to tell me that, you know, this is, this. unless the client tells me we get 80% of our jobs from these three cities and then the other 99 cities that you'll be targeting, we only get, you know, 10%. Unless they say something like that, which is usually not the case. They usually say, oh, we go all over. We want jobs all over. I will target everything in one campaign. So unless there's an indicator- Where they say they do business and want to show up. Right. If they say we uh, want to do jobs in New Jersey and they don't tell me that there is a specific area or a radius that is critically important to their business, if they don't say that, I target everything. One single campaign. And the reason is because it's easier. Lazy man build- is a system that works both for the purpose of management and for the value of the campaign working more efficiently. Yeah, for for the management. Yeah, it's not just easier, it's more effective because the wider you go, the more options you have with your bids and more options you show up on. And the more precise you get in dividing all the campaigns out, if if I take this beautiful state of New Jersey and cut it into 16 sections, you've now increased the number of uh, instances that you're going to have errors and things falling through the cracks. There's going to be problems where you forgot to target this the right way, or not. maybe you've done everything perfectly, but the Google system has one person in this area, but they're searching in this area because they commute for work you know, 30 miles, and they're trying to get this ad, but it doesn't show because you have that one blocked over here, and dummy. Dummy, dummy. You know, thank you. Oh, I love it. You're on my there level now, yeah. Chris. You know what I'm gonna. You know what it's like, and I'm gonna say this, and no one's ever said it before. I can guarantee wow. that this phrase Here we go. does not exist on the internet. Wow. And for all the agency people selling and all that kind of stuff out there, you can take it, you can have it, but just know, if anybody sees anybody using this term out there, then the whole paid search podcast audience is going to know that that person took it from me and they don't have their own original creative thinking (laughs) and they're a hack and they owe me some royalties because you know what a great campaign, Chris, you know what it's like? A great Google ads campaign is like a roll of fine sushi. When it's all packed in together, all the different grains of rice, all the different ingredients, the salmon, the cucumber, the sauce, all that kind of stuff, the little border, all that's packed together 
that's when it works. That's when the magic happens. When you take that bite on the first date. Wow. And it's a very great evening and it's a magical evening. But you know what, Chris, you take that sushi roll, you try to split it out. You split each grain of rice, each little piece of salmon, each little piece of cucumber into its own campaign. You know what you got? You got a bunch of crap on the on the table. You know what I'm saying? So you roll that sushi nice and tight into one campaign, give you all your options in there, and it just works beautifully. You split it out too much, you don't have sushi anymore. That's um, that's great. I hate sushi, but uh, I would like to end on that. That's it. We got to end on that. That's it. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Eat your sushi the way Jason says, nice and tight, and we'll catch you next week.